98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Alright, it's noon. It's noon on a Friday. It's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. And Wolf's a little bit different today. Rick is going to be hosting Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Rick. What's up, guys? How are you doing? That's fantastic. What's going on, Rick? How's the barbecue, Wolf? It is good. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I love that stuff. Alright, so the first topic here. The Arizona Cardinals wrap up the preseason Saturday at the Titans. You can catch that one right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station at 4 p.m. So I'm asking you guys, what is the number one thing y'all will be looking for in the game? The number one overall thing. Um, I, just because we just talked about Zayvon Collins, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to say specifically the running back. That that race, we're going to see I think we have a deeper running back room uh, than we've had on the Cardinals since Cliff Kingsbury took over, Wolf. But also, you know, we're also we're taking a little bit of a leap with guys like Keontae Ingram and Eno Benjamin. We don't know for sure what they can do in NFL games yet. So I still, I still think the running back room collectively is the one I'm watching the most. Is Daryl Williams going to play tomorrow, or is he already on this team? Yeah, for me right now, I think the number one thing I'm going to be looking for is who plays and how many reps they actually get when they do play, because it's going to say so much about their situation. Uh, Zayvon Collins, I think, Marco Wilson's, uh, Marco Wilson, I should say, I think Andy Isabella, I think Daryl Williams as well, how many reps he gets or does not get. It's going to be very, very tough. So that's the first thing. Who plays and how many reps they get. And then number two is going to be who is on the starting punt pro. The starting punt pro. Because those guys on the starting punt pro, they're definitely going to be here. Write that down. Okay. All right, and the Cardinals have to finalize their 53-man roster on Tuesday. So which players do you all think will have the most to prove tomorrow? Uh, I mean, a guy like Chandler Wooten, I don't know that he's going to make this team, but you have to consider this a, a bigger process, right? If he goes out there and plays well again tomorrow, does he get a shot to be on the practice squad? Does he play well enough where some other team that does need a linebacker that, that wants to take a flyer on him? You know, at that point, Wolf, you're, you're kind of, like you always say, you're a mercenary. Chandler Wooten's not so concerned about, hey, the Arizona Cardinals as a team, he's trying to get his career going. So guys like that, not, there's not really a, a ton of them uh, that have stood out that I think still have an outside shot, but he's kind of the, the face of that group. Yeah, you know, for me, who's got the most to prove tomorrow, I think, is Zayvon Collins. This was something we did. We had a fulcrum football earlier in this broadcast, and for me, it was Zayvon Collins, man. Yeah, I think he's got a ton to go out and prove tomorrow, and I think he's going to be given that opportunity and get a lot of reps, and if he doesn't get a lot of those reps, I, I can't see him being the starter against Kansas City. And which fringe guys on the Cardinals do you guys think have already finalized their roster spots? 
I, I think Greg Dortch is a, is somebody that, that coming into camp, Wolf, nobody was like, oh, he's a lock for the team, and I, I think he's there now. You know, partially the that's that was such a deep position, but with Hopkins suspended and Antoine Wesley, we don't know what his status is going to be for Week One. I think guys like Greg Dortch and Andy Isabella are, are probably on this team, with the exception of you know maybe Isabella gets traded, but he's going to be on a team. But I, I think Dortch is probably the main one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's hard for me to disagree with anything you said right there. Um, guys that were on the fringe, Andy Isabella certainly was on the fringe coming into this training camp, and he's done very, very well. Greg Dorch as well. You could say the same thing. If you believe some of the rumors that are out there, Daryl Williams might have an awful lot. He's the classic guy that I'm talking about, guys. He is the classic guy. If Daryl Williams gets a lot of reps tomorrow, guess what? Tyler's probably right. Tyler Drake is probably right. Daryl Williams could be in trouble. If he goes out there and gets four or five reps, no, I don't think Daryl Williams is in trouble at all. But I will say right now, yeah, I think Greg Dorch is an excellent Bernhard Psychovitz. Psycho. Psycho. <laughs> All right, transitioning to a topic Luke and I are very interested in. Our, our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, how many games do you see ASU football winning this season? Your choices are more than eight, seven or eight, five or six, or less than five. Okay, I'm not going to say more than eight because I'm not going to be the crazy homer. Um, I don't want to say less than five, five going into the season. Yeah, five or six is probably the answer. I, you know, honestly, Wolf, yeah, they could go six and six. I'll, I'll go five or six. Okay, I will vote five or six. Okay. I'm guessing people are a little more pessimistic. 77% less than five. <sighs> Five to six, fifteen percent. Seven to eight, six percent. And more than eight, two percent. All right. So this, this is the one thing I would say, and I understand the pessimism. A lot of the issues with ASU for me, Wolf, are are more based in like the recruiting and the fact that they're not doing any. So that's the stuff that's going to hurt you a year, two, three down the line. Not like I think they're going to be amazing this year, but if you look at the schedule, you should be able to find five wins. The Pac-12 is not loaded. Like NAU, Eastern Michigan, that should be two wins right there, right? And then you should be able to pick out three other ones. Yeah, they're not loaded, but neither are the Sun No, right those are not either. I agree. So nothing would really surprise me. It's going to be fascinating to watch because I think they're going to have a very, very desperate football team. Let's see what that does for them. They better win on Thursday coming up or otherwise then, yeah, you can mark me down for well less than five. All right, and shameless plug. If you're interested in my thoughts on this, uh, slide on over to wherever you get your podcast. State of the Sun Devils, we did a full season preview, predicted each game. We went game by game, predicting each game. All right, last one, though. Here's a fun one for you guys. Today is National Dog Day. So after watching so much training camp practice, I know Wolf's done a little bit more than Luke, but Luke, you're out there for a while, too. Which Cardinals player has the most dog in him? Oh, it's Marcus Golden. <laughs> It's definitely Marcus Golden. It is Marcus Golden. Um, although I will say this right now, Will Hernandez. Uh, will Hernandez has as much dog in him. 
Interesting. All right. A couple former Giants on the team. Brings I love that right there. Yeah, Marcus Golden is the biggest dog. Uh, one of the biggest dogs I think I've ever seen. I'd, I'd, I'd like to start seeing Marcus Golden on the field again here at some point. Marcus All right. Golden has, what, 11 sacks from last year? Marcus yeah. Golden had 11 sacks, led the team yep. with 11 sacks, and all he did was bite his way to the quarterback. <laughs> Bark and bite. Got to get him back on the field here soon. Whatever, if that means some sort of, I don't know, miracle toe healing or if it means more money, whatever it is, I should get him on the field. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Rick. When we come back, Suns head coach Monty Williams finally spoke about DeAndre Ayton, and he actually spoke about Kevin Durant as well. You'll hear what he had to say next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, over to basketball for a little bit. Preseason schedules out there. Suns, uh, October 5th, they'll get the Lakers. So that's really not that far away, Wolf. We're hitting that time of year where it's like... Once football preseason ends and football season hits, you're basically already behind on your holiday shopping. Yes. <laughs> what a beautiful thing that is going to be, though. It is. Uh, also, a random note to pass along. ASU just sent this out. Uh, Josh Doan, captain of the ASU hockey team. Oh. Sounds, uh, sounds familiar, huh? Yeah, it does, as a matter of fact. Wonder Donor. Where that from, yeah. Wonder, wonder where you learned the leadership stuff from. Man, the blood... The bloodlines. Coaches believe in that stuff uh, yeah. to this day. Uh, okay, so to basketball, we've got we hadn't heard a lot from Monty Williams. <laughs> the way last season ended was weird, and then Monty Williams just kind of you know he's he's usually so straightforward for the most part. But he was just like, yeah, anything you heard about me and uh, DeAndre Ayton on the sideline there during the game that that's all internal. And then we just never really heard from anybody again, Wolf. And the, and the thought was kind of like, all right, DA might not even be here next season anyway, so maybe this isn't that huge of a deal. Uh, but DA is back. And in fact, the entire team is, for the most part, back other than JaVale McGee right now. So it is a big deal. Make sure everybody's on the same page. And Monty Williams yesterday spoke on Sirius Satellite Radio about his relationship with DeAndre Ayton and where they are right now. You know, I've heard all that stuff second and third hand, all the narratives. Um, you know, the bottom line is I have to coach. And all of our players will tell you that I coach everybody. When I have to make a move like that, it's me calling them up. It's never personal. And I think D.A. said it best when he did an interview. You know, our relationship is calm. And I've invested a lot of time into the the player and the person. And when I do something like that, it's because I want I want what's best for you. But I also have to, you know, try my best to hold everybody accountable. At the same time, there are times where I wish I could have handled things a little bit differently. I, I will you know, pick at myself, but our relationship, I, I, I don't, I don't know where all that stuff is coming from. I have a great relationship with all of our guys uh, and I've built an, I think I've built up enough equity with every player on our team. They know how much I care about them and how much I love them, but I also have to coach them. Yeah. Look, Wolf, I mean, I, 
there's nothing in there that Monty Williams said that I disagree with. Other than the one part where, you know, he's wondering why people are, were kind of raising their eyebrows. Andre Ayton, because that's how DA gets better. And I don't doubt that he does, but it probably, if you're a Suns fan, it doesn't hurt to hear it every once in a while because things got so weird at the end of last year. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Just listening to Monty Williams right there, the only thing I think of is this is the difference between your mom and your dad and your coach. <laughs> okay? <laughs> your mom and your dad are probably going to talk to you about, oh, I don't know, you're the greatest person on the face of the planet. Um, they're probably going to be very, very positive to you in all things. Um, your coach is going to hold you accountable because that's what coaching is all about. I'm not saying your mom and dad specifically may not do that. Certain situations, maybe they do, maybe they don't. That's none of my business. But when it comes to a player in a coach relationship, accountability is all about the player-coach relationship. It is all about that. This is what I'm telling you to do. And if you don't do it, I'm going to call you up, as Monty likes to say. Not call you out. I'm going to call you up. It's all about accountability. It brings back so many great memories. Memories that I have to this day about loving coaches for telling me the truth. Well, and one of the things we always say, specifically on this show, but other people say it as well, one of the best parts about DeAndre Ayton is that he does appear to be so coachable. Yes. But obviously at the center of the word coachable, Wolf, is coach. <laughs> so like you got to have the right coach there, and, and I think Monty Williams is the guy. I know there was frustration with DA, and there's frustration with all the Suns at the end of last season, but he has taken huge steps under Monty Williams. This team has taken undeniably huge steps under Monty Williams. None of this was like a big deal. I don't think anybody was coming into the season being like, well, we didn't get Durant and our coach and DA hate each other. It's not that, but it's just, if you're going to run it back with the same team, can you at least kind of tell us that whatever went weird at the end of last season is not still lingering? Now, here's the other part of this offseason that kind of put all the DA stuff on the back burner for a little bit was all the Kevin Durant stuff. He's not coming here now, uh, and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere now. Who knows, in six months or a year or whatever. But right now, he's not here, and Monty Williams talked about all those rumors, too. I never talked to any of our guys about that. Um, mm-hmm. One, people don't understand how hard trades are to pull off and when I first heard about the Kevin Durant stuff I was kind of blown away by it just because you know we've been so blessed here to have guys who want to come at the same time at the expense of what was my thinking and I like our team I love our guys but I wasn't going to have conversations that didn't need to be had I think our guys are mature enough to understand that part of our business um and so i didn't want to have conversations about stuff that didn't need to be brought up and and part of it is because i've been in the business so long it's just hard to pull trades off you know and so that was my thinking that blew my mind right there <laughs> that, the he had not, that he had yeah. not spoken with Mikal Bridges or he had not talked to Cam Johnson that kind of blew my mind right there because of these they are young guys those guys are young and they're developing and because they are young and developing I thought for sure Monty especially Monty being the the um, 
not maybe not the father figure, the uncle yeah. figure, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's still in the family. Monty being Monty, I thought for sure he'd want to, hey, listen, guys, this is the way that it goes, you know. I, I, I know you're mature enough to handle this right now. Just know we love you. You know we love you. We think highly of you, but this is what happens in the NBA. I thought for sure he'd want to express that and yeah. communicate that thought with these young guys just so they knew themselves and didn't have to imagine any of it. Yeah, I, I communication is never a bad thing to have those open lines of communication, so I'm a little surprised by that, too. I, I hope James Jones was talking to these guys, and I know you can look and you can say, okay, they're getting paid a lot of money. They can get over it. I, it's not like Mikel Bridges is, is staying up at night being like, oh, no, am I going to get traded? Do they not like me? But one of the things, one of the, the foundations of this team last season was just how tight-knit they were. And so why even risk it? I mean, that, let's, let's not sugarcoat it. That was, that was a lot this offseason of like, hey, is your half your roster going to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant? Those rumors yeah. were out there all day, every day for two months. Why not just be like, hey, Mikel, look, man, uh, you're hearing your name, I'm sure. Doesn't mean we don't you know, like you and respect you and want you on this team. And if you're Monty Williams, you're not in charge of the trade, but you could even just be like, look, it's, it's Kevin Durant's name is out there. It's not like we're trying to shop you or move you. Things get a little crazy when a guy like Kevin Durant's out there, but obviously we're still planning on building around you going forward. Just And just hear what he has to say, too, you know? Yeah, and I also like the fact that, that um, Monty was talking about, you know, he loves the fact he was kind of blown away that guys want to come here. You know, he loves yeah. the fact guys want to come here, and he was kind of blown away that it was KD that wanted to come here because, of course, if Kevin Durant is going to come here and wants to play with Devin Booker, a lot of it is also because of Monty Williams and who the coach is. That It is flattering right there, but I love the fact that he adds on to that. You know, you know, I love guys coming here, but at what expense? Yeah. That was, that, yeah, really, what would you have given up for that? He what personified that uh, most Suns fans right there. I, because things yes. were so fun all of last season until the very end, if you were a Suns fan and you were hearing all the Durant stuff, it was always in the back of your mind. And you you verbalized it quite a few times, Wolf, but it's always in the back of your mind of like, this is awesome, Mike, at Kevin Durant. And if no matter what, at least somebody as good as Kevin Durant wants to come play here. This isn't five years ago where we're hoping if we get like LaMarcus Aldridge's best friend courtside seats that maybe he'll consider Phoenix. This is one of the best players in the NBA who actively wants to come here. But yeah, what is the cost? Because he's not a free agent. You know what I mean? So like, this was, and you've said this many, many times, but it's the truth. The, the Phoenix Suns, one of the most likable teams you're ever going to be around mm-hmm. or watch. The respect, how many times did we talk about the respect that you had for these guys and how they were able to bring their passions and generate their intensity on a night-in and night-out basis. <laughs> when you're playing 82 games, that's not easy to do, especially after you finished in the NBA Finals the year before. You know you're good, and yet you went out and, and played like you weren't. You played like you were trying to prove something to, to somebody 
in the regular season. It's the respect and admiration that I have for the guys inside that locker room. It, it can't be measured with human hands. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up, jobs are on the line this weekend in this Cardinals-Titans game. Who's specifically? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, one of the guys to keep an eye on tomorrow and in the coming days, Wolf, is Andy Isabella, somebody that really I don't think was on many Cardinals fans' radars uh, coming into training camp. And I'm not saying he needs to be on your radar like, hey, this guy's going to be second on the team in receiving. I'm not saying any of that. But he has played himself into a position where he is either playing for a roster spot tomorrow or he's probably already on the roster. And he's also put himself in a position where you know Paul Calvisi was on earlier. I think he said what you and I have kind of been thinking for the last few days. Do you package Andy Isabella with like a fifth-round pick for a corner? Do you package him with a running back for a corner? However you can get a corner in here, Andy Isabella's value, I would say, is probably higher now than it's been since they've drafted him. Yeah. Um, you know, I've said this the last few days. Andy Isabella, I think, is the most improved Arizona Cardinal football player year to year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Paulie will sit here, of course, and he can tell you Victor Demukeji, and he certainly has had a great training camp, and I am very encouraged about Victor Demukeji and hopefully he's going to have a good season but man for me based on where Andy Isabella came from from last year and all the talks surrounding Andy Isabella to where he is right now where I think he's actually made the team or is going to make a team because he's going to be traded Uh, I think Andy Isabella man has totally improved and I'm happy for him because he's a hard working kid. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy for him too. I mean, I still need to see what he can do at the NFL level in regular season games, but they they might they might need him in week 1, honestly, Wolf, like if Antoine Wesley's not playing and DeAndre Hopkins is suspended, you know, like how many receivers do you have locked in for week 1? Now, Mark McClune, friend of the show, uh, he talked to Andy Isabella earlier in the week and this is what Isabella had to say about just how he has evolved his game over the last couple of years since he join the league. Oh, huge. I mean, I think it was actually good, you know, to, to maybe not play as much first three years. Um, just to build build myself and get better and better. So I think it's the best ball I'm playing. And so hopefully it's not too late and we'll see what happens. Also talked about what his career has been like up to this point. Came a million miles from, from when I was a rookie. I look back and kind of laugh from all the ups and downs and all the trials I've been through about growing as a man tenfold. And I wouldn't change a thing. Everything happens for you, not to you. So I'm, I'm happy for all my, my trials and all the ups and downs throughout right now, so I'm excited. It's the best I'm playing and I'll continue to play well. Okay, again, I know there are Cardinals fans rolling their eyes right now. I'm not telling you he's going to go out there and, and win the receiving title, but he has definitely improved, Wolf, and if you if you look at him not through the lens of the guy taking two picks ahead of DK Metcalf, but if you just look at him as somebody that has improved, they might need him early this season or they might need him as a trade asset. Yeah, they they might, but again, I, I don't want to gloss over what he said right there. Honestly, man, this is this is the key, my young crunk brothers, to anything you want to do in your life. Right here, it's never just the player; it's the person as well. 
This is what, when I sit here and I talk to you about the threefold nature of man, body, soul, and spirit, when I talk to you about that, especially in the game of football, it's so applicable. It's so important that you understand they're all tied together. The person and the player, the man right there. I listen to Andy Isabella say that as a man. I've grown as a man. Yeah. How do you grow as a man? Well, you do it. You do it physically. You do it mentally. And you do it spiritually. Body, soul, and spirit. And um, he has grown so much in that regard. He's a completely different man. And because of that, he's a completely different player. Never forget that, my young crunks. Now, if you were looking to Cliff Kingsbury to kind of give you, you know, Wolf, you've done a good job over this this week of pointing out to people like, okay, look who's look who's out there on, uh, you know, who, who's playing in the first quarter, who's getting these reps, how much is Daryl Williams getting reps, you know, punt coverage, all these, all these different things to look for in the game tomorrow. If you're if you're looking for Cliff Kingsbury to give you tips, yeah, I don't know that he's giving you the same tips. They asked him which position groups he is specifically zeroing in on now for this final preseason game? Uh, you know, all of them, really. I mean, there's there's the, that back end of, of all those rooms is still still open. Um, I want to see, like I said, how guys have improved each week and how they've continued to pick up our system. There you go, Wolf, just all of them. Okay, just, well, you know. Just everybody on the team. Take a look. <laughs> let's just take a look at that right there because <laughs> um, wide receiver, yeah, that you can go ahead and check that room right there because all of them and who's at the end of that and who's actually going to contribute on special teams. Yeah, I think that's still open. Uh, let's see the running back room. I'm going to check that right there. I wouldn't check the quarterback room. Right? Yeah, that seems pretty well set I would think. That that seems set right there. Um, I would check the tight end room. I would because that could be open right there. How many are you going to keep? You're going to keep three? Man, that's kind of a dicey proposition right there to only keep three, but I could see them doing that. I could see them if they really love the wide receiver, if they really love Love the running back. Maybe they're going to get cuckoo, cuckoo, and keep five. Maybe that's what they're going to do. I, I don't know. I just know the tight end room. I think you could check that box and say it's still kind of open right now. Um, the offensive line room, um, yeah, that gets a little dicey right there. You wonder what's in store for the offensive line. You're going to probably dress eight. Eight offensive linemen going into a game. Uh, seven for the most part. A lot of teams only do seven. But I think you're going to keep nine offensive linemen on the roster. Now, you'll, of course, you'll you'll go ahead and hit the waiver wire and you'll bring a couple of more in uh, for the practice squad because you want to have 10, 11, 12 offensive linemen on your team when you include the practice squad so you can just go out and practice. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens, Luke, because once again, um, I think there are a lot of rooms that are still open. I, I, I do wonder, you know, six receivers, three tight ends, if that's going to be the number. But then also, like, if Antoine Wesley is hurt to start the year and he doesn't count against the roster, do you go five receivers, four tight ends? Is it just a matter of those two positions are going to combine for nine? I mean, can you can you start with only five receivers? I Maybe if Wesley's coming back soon, I, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of mysteries on this team right now, Wolf, that aren't even your typical final preseason game mysteries of like, hey, who's going to win this final linebacker spot?
spot. It's more like, hey, what's up with Antoine Wesley? What's up with Antonio Hamilton? What's up with Marcus Golden? Like, these are what's up with Rodney Hudson? Like, these are pretty important players that are kind of hedging towards question marks for week one. Maybe not Hudson. I would assume Hudson's playing week one, but these other guys, we don't. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I would assume that Rodney Hudson is playing week one as well. Can I just tell you that if he does, it's pretty much unthinkable to me. <laughs> it blows my mind. If you tell me Rodney Hudson, and, and this is what I fully expect, I expect my mind to be blown like it already hasn't, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but Rodney Hudson, I expect him to start against the Kansas City Chiefs. That guy, I still haven't seen him take a live rep. I know. It's crazy, still. isn't it? You're going to step out there and your first live rep is going to be against the Chiefs? Uh, and, and yet, there's if there's one guy that I think could probably do that, it's probably Rodney Hudson. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. It's just, I, I've, I'm, I've got some reservations for week one. And you, yeah. they've still got a couple weeks here to, to change my mind. But it's just like, there's all these things of like, if anybody could do it, it's Rodney Hudson. Yeah, okay. If anybody could cover for not having a whole lot of corner depth against Patrick Mahomes, it is Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Like, yeah, okay. But there's a lot of, if anybody can cover for not having DeAndre Hopkins, like there's a lot of corners right now that they're sort of... Being forced to cut, and you just you'd like to go into a game against the Chiefs at relatively full strength, wouldn't you? Because the Chiefs are going to be at full strength in Week One. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well that um, you've got Paul Calvisi, of course, a sideline reporter, walking around talking about who is actually going to go out there and play, and whether or not they're going to have to go get a corner. And he cites Isaiah Simmons, mm-hmm. <laughs> Isaiah Simmons, as to why they may not go out. And get a corner. What are you talking about, <laughs> sideline guy? <laughs> he, he might be having to take care of some stuff at inside linebacker too, and edge rusher. <laughs> like I, I get that it's great to have Isaiah Simmons. You can move him all over the field, but there is still just one of them at a time. Like you're not cloning him and putting him at inside linebacker and edge rusher and corner all at the same time. I know, and I, I guess what I'm saying, I'd be a little scared. I would. That'd be a little scary right there. If you're going to tell me he's going to line up over the slot receiver and he's going to play man cover on the slot right there um hold on to your butts i know he's i know he's a great athlete i know he's a four three guy i know how long he is i know all of it playing that position that's that's a dicey proposition right there so they're gonna have to do something well see and i think tomorrow night this is what i'm happy about luke tomorrow night i think is going to clear up a lot of the picture for all of us. Yeah, I hope so. I, it, I'm really honestly more concerned with guys that are supposed to be starting that we don't know their injury status. Uh, just announced, comedian Tom Segura is heading to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his new world tour. Tickets are now on sale, but you can win a pair of tickets by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, does anybody think what happened yesterday between the Bengals and Rams wasn't going to happen? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. That is the Wolf and Luke show here on a Friday. Wolf, I give us credit for not having talked about this yet, but it's time to jump into this one. The uh, <laughs> the Rams-Bengals brawl yesterday. Um 
there's a few different places to go with this. I guess let's just start here. These teams almost got into a fight during the Super Bowl. <laughs> Did we really think if they were going to practice fight. together, they'd be fine? Like what? <laughs> this this was somewhat inevitable, wasn't it? Yes. I, did anyone think this wasn't going to happen? <laughs> Apparently, a couple coaches did. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I mean, let's take the two Super Bowl teams and we'll put them in full gear and have them practice against each other during the preseason, man. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, it's hot. It's humid. It's physical. And the, the Bengals, you know, they want to exact retribution against the team that actually kept them from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, this was going to happen. You could see that a mile away. Yeah, and what you can also see literally from a mile away is Aaron Donald just swinging Bengals helmets at Bengals players from yesterday. So couple things. One, did we expect there to be just no sort of physical altercation with these two teams getting together where they really can't be punished if they fight? Unless, you know, the coach pulls you out of practice. Big deal. That's not a, that's that's not the Super Bowl. Uh, no, I think it's pretty obvious that they were going to get into some sort of disagreement, as you have called them in the past, Wolf. Uh, Aaron Donald swinging the helmets like weapons, that's that's kind of a new level. I don't know. He's, he's got to yeah. watch it with that. Yeah, you listen Listen, um, every football player that has played an awful lot of football, you have seen that at one point in time in your own practice. You have. Like this? Yeah. He's double No, 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 no. Uh, I'll back up. I've never seen a guy with two helmets okay. in his hands. <laughs> Aaron Donald had two helmets in his hands. He looked like a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> I've never seen that, Luke. You know, yeah, yes, there's a lot of things. You look at Aaron Donald and you think to yourself as you watch him on tape, man, I've, I've never seen that before in my life right there. But I've never seen a man do something like that, have two of the opposing team's helmets in his hands, one in each hand, and start swinging it the way that he did. I have never seen that. I just don't call it assault. Adam Schefter. Yeah, he's don't, not the don't only one. Don't call it. Yeah, but did, but he, he was the main one. Yeah. Okay. Who who, who else is calling it? Oh, assault? that that's just that's kind of been the debate on on social media and a lot of Listen, sports talk shows today. You know what? Um, stay off the football field, please. <laughs> stay off the football field right now. This this is a hyper aggressive paradigm. Stuff like this happens. Anyone that has played a lot of football, you've seen this happen at some point in time. A guy gets into a brawl and the helmet comes off and you rip the helmet off and you start swinging it at the guy that has happened before so it wasn't like this has never happened um no but but i I will say this um you know if it had this happened in a game and we saw a version of this miles garrett got suspended for a while for that when when him and uh Mason Rudolph went out. Yeah, Remember, he pulled off? Yeah, in a game, Luke, if you do this in a game, you're a complete jerk. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're just never, there's no reason ever for you to do this in a game. You're going to get ejected. You know you're going to get ejected. You're hurting your team. There's going to be a penalty. It's, it's, it's the act of selfishness if you allow yourself to do something like this in a game. In practice, it's altogether different. And when you call it assault, 
it, it drives me crazy because assault is actually a criminal charge. Have you ever been assaulted, Luke? Have you uh, ever? No, not outside a hockey rink. Okay, no. can I? Can, exactly. You know what? Um, on the football field, in the box, you get assaulted almost every play. But yeah. off that, off that, man, if you've ever been assaulted with somebody who's got a knife, somebody's got a weapon, somebody, hey, listen, that's criminal. What's happening on the field in a fight with football players is not criminal. But but aside, don't from, compare the two. Fight. Aside from what Adam Schefter said, the the fact, I mean, because a lot of people looked at this and they're like, wait, the, he's getting suspended, right? The NFL, and maybe they should have jurisdiction, but they don't. They don't have any real jurisdiction over this. So unless Sean McVay suspends Aaron Donald, which uh, spoiler alert isn't going to happen, nothing's going to happen to him. Now, I, I because I, I understand people making the connection of like, okay, Miles Garrett got six games and he was swinging his helmet at, or he was swinging Mason Rudolph's helmet at Mason Rudolph. A little bit different because it was in a game. Rudolph didn't have his helmet on. I mean, I don't know if that even like factored into it. He didn't have his helmet on because Miles Garrett was swinging it at him. This is, a, is, is different because it was in practice, but it also was Aaron Donald swinging two helmets. But I'm just saying from, from the news angle on this, don't expect Aaron Donald to get suspended if, if you're thinking that right now. Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't think he will be. Should he be fined? Yeah, I think he probably should be fined. Uh, suspended? No, I don't think that's going to happen. It just If you've ever been assaulted, uh, and I have been assaulted, if you've ever been assaulted, I deserve to be assaulted, I will tell you that. But um, you're not going to forget it. It's a criminal act. Okay? So, again... Don't, don't look at a fight that happens on a football field and call it assault. It this, isn't. This is, uh, and I don't know if this is the quote you're talking about, but this is Adam Schefter yesterday talking about whether or not Donald can be punished. The league's stance is this. Clubs are responsible for overseeing the conduct of their own players at practice, including joint practices between two teams like the one today between the Bengals and the Rams. So any discipline... That would be handed down against the Rams defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, would have to come from the Rams themselves. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Rams are not going to suspend Aaron Donald for their season opening game two weeks from tonight <laughs> against the Buffalo Bills and that Aaron Donald is expected to play in the regular season opener. I don't think the Rams will take that drastic of an action against their all-world defensive line. You know, of all the guys on the field, Wolf, that probably didn't need to have two helmets as weapons, Aaron Donald, I would assume, is probably intimidating enough as it is, just with his bare hands on the field. I mean, this yeah. is, most players will tell you he is the most feared player in the league when he's not swinging two Cincinnati Bengals helmets at people. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I mean, how does this happen? Well, you know, with the mentality, the attitude, the disposition, the psyche, the temperament, it all comes together. The psychology of physicality comes together on an individual and collective basis, Luke. And it demands that you flatten the face of your opponent between the white lines, of course, always between the white lines. You lose it. In short, you basically go dark. <laughs> your mentality demands satisfaction when you feel like you've been wronged on the football field in practice. And then your fallen nature just takes over, and you go dark. That's what happened to Aaron Donald. 
And anyone who's played football for a long time inside the box, you know exactly where that emotion comes from. When we come back, just how important was that Cody Ford trade? We're kind of getting a clearer picture, and we're going to hear from the newest Cardinal next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.